0: we're trying to cultivate this openness and the mind pops up something that's like i'm not open to this and the there's a there's a a moment there where you can that part of you that's like no not that that becomes the, the object that needs compassion
1: hello radically loved one I am so excited to announce a couple of fun events that are happening next year because I am excited for 2019 to be <laughs> to be done. So looking forward to 2020, we have two big retreats coming up next year. The first one is in Scotland and that's in May. I'm excited because Tori is actually gonna help me facilitate that one and it is finding your life's purpose. So if you've ever been curious about discovering what your dharma is, what your purpose is, or you're just looking for a different career change or you're wanting to figure out what your highest purpose is, this retreat is for you. We spent a week in this beautiful estate, the Dunsky castle is close by and we get an opportunity to just sit in circle and talk about the different things that create your specific medicine and purpose. And the next retreat we're doing is next summer and it's with international yoga. It's the art of intention. It's a yoga and meditation retreat and it's the first time I'm doing a retreat in Hawaii. We're going to Hana and you can get more information by going to internationalyoga.com. If you register before the end of November, you can still qualify to get $400 off. This will be the third time I'm doing this particular theme. It's been two years since I've done an Art of Intention retreat, and I know that we're going to get a really incredible group of people gathered to set a powerful intention to get really clear and realign with what it is that you want to achieve in life. So two big retreats next year, two different opportunities to get together and to actually be able to work closely and have a really incredible transformative experience. And if you can't join in person, there will be several opportunities to work with me online. Just sign up for my newsletter so you can be the first to know to register for a couple of online offerings that we have rolling out here in the next couple months. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Radically Loved Radio. I am so excited for today's guest. I have been wanting to talk to him for a really long time. Uh, In fact, I'm familiar with some of his earlier work, but what he's here to talk to us about today, I am most excited about because I feel like we're in a time where we really need to hear this message and hear his voice. So everyone, let's welcome Tim Desmond to the show. Hey, Tim.
0: Hey, thank you for having me.
1: I'm so excited to chat with you because I I received your book in the mail and I was really excited just because of the title. Um, and Can you tell our audience what the title of the book is?
0: Yeah, uh, How to Stay Human in a Fucked Up World.
1: <laughs> and I was like, uh... I need to read this book right now. And from the first page I started, I couldn't put it down. It actually came on one of my retreats with me because I just, I needed to finish it. It was just so good. And from there, I did a little bit more research and I um, I found your uh, self-compassion skills workbook mm-hmm. and which I thought was amazing as well. And uh, one of the things that I, I love about your your book now is that, um, the description is it, the description for the book is it's possible to pay attention and care about the suffering in the world without letting it poison us, which to me in this day and age where we are in the world, I feel like it's so important for us to learn. And I, I would really love for you to just talk to us about what your, are Uh, inspiration was behind writing this book and why do you think it's a message that we need to hear?
0: Thank you. Um, Yeah, I've been a part of sort of social justice movements and working in the mental health world. Um, I I live at a retreat center that's sort of like a social justice oriented retreat center. And I mean, I'm an idealist. And I think that I, I, my my sense for of, of this show is that it appeals to people who are idealists who like I think one thing that's true about me and the people that I connect with is um that we believe human beings are better or, or are capable of a better world than this mm. um that we that we could create a better world, and I think my heart goes out so much to all of the different ways that people are trying to make our world better and the different ways that, that we're acting and the different ways that we're just trying to shape our own lives and the different ways that we just wish we could do something and we're feeling paralyzed. And I think that what I wanted to write about is that impulse that we all have to this impulse to want to make the world better and the practices that I've learned over the course of my life and my study with Thich Nhat Hanh that that I think make that a lot more possible to be able to, to face what's hard in the world <clears throat> so that there's a possibility that we could, could do something about it. There's a possibility that we could in our own lives and in the greater world Um, have a positive impact.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. So it definitely left me feeling like, I don't want to say hopeful because I I feel like you provided such a realist approach. And sometimes for me, I feel like the word hope can be just kind of bland because I'm more of like a doer type of person. I don't want to just be left with this feeling like every, I feel like it, there's this desensitization that's happening with us just feeling hopeful, or we just want to feel the love and light in the world. We just want to feel good. And we want to look away from the stuff that's happening because we don't want to feel bad, you know? Yeah. And so I really love your your guidance on how to actually create something sustainable. And part of, you know, the practices that I I know that you teach and that you study is um, this idea about having the capacity to have compassion and to also be in a state of equanimity, which we find, which I find, I think it's like counterintuitive. Right. And I know that you've you've spoken to that. And I think that, in saying that, how, how do you think that that impact or that, that way of belief in our society is, is hindering us from growing?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the first thing is like that impulse to, to, move, to get away from what's painful is healthy and it's important. And, and I think it's like sometimes it's the right thing to do. And I think it's like, I, it's, I really want to be careful about, it. I don't want to demonize that in any way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the thing that I'm really interested in is developing our capacity to to confront or to face what's painful in a way that it's not, that it doesn't hurt. And it's it's possible to do that. And I think that like, so when Thich Nhat Hanh talks about the, the idea of embracing suffering, the image that he uses is that basically th- there's a way to hold a crying baby that the baby finds really comforting, right? And it's a way of, it's like, um, it's not the way that we might hold a crying baby where we're totally burned out and triggered and just like, God, would you please shut up? Like, that's not the most comforting way to be with, with a crying baby, there's a way to hold a crying baby where, when you actually have some bandwidth um, where it's like, there's this openness of it's okay for you to keep crying and it's okay for you to stop. Like whatever, you know, like whatever, whatever's happening is okay. Um, So there's this equanimity or openness that's there and there's this care and compassion this kind of like, I'm here for you, mm-hmm. like whatever you need. And so that type of, it's like this full presence of paying attention that has both this openness, like whatever, whatever you, whatever's coming up for you is okay. And whatever is coming up for you, I'm here for you. Mm. And that's the type of presence that is sort of like, um, if it were possible to bring that kind of presence to everything in our lives, then we'd have so much more capacity to actually kind of have a positive impact. And really what I'm talking about in this book is that when Thich Nhat Hanh talks about practicing mindfulness or developing mindfulness, what he means is that we can grow that capacity in us. That for a lot of us, like that ability to be open and caring at the same time is like a on a really good day in a really good moment. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it's like, but we know what it feels like. And it's something that we can practice and kind of get more of. And as soon as we realize how important it is or how helpful it would be to have more of it, then it's possible to feel really motivated to try to to try to grow that
1: oh hey guys so everybody knows that skinny dipped almonds is now (laughs) one of my major food groups skinny dipped almonds are non-gmo verified and are wrapped in a thin layer of artisan dark chocolate and have 70 percent less sugar than yesterday's chocolate covered almonds They're really good. I mean, that's really all I'm going to say about it. I would always feel really guilty when I would eat an entire bag of uh, chocolate-covered other things, and most of my friends are really excited anytime they see me because they know I'm going to bring them a bag of skinny-dipped almonds, and I'm excited for all of you guys to try these awesome skinny-dipped almonds. I'm actually, you know, it's really not difficult to talk about how much I love these because I really eat them all the time and now Tori's addicted to them. The dogs think they're doggy treats, but do not feed your dogs chocolate because it's really toxic for them. (laughs) I don't really know what else to say. These skinny dipped almonds are so fucking good. (laughs) If you want to try them, use our promo code to get 15% off your entire order. Use the code RADLOVE15. Go to skinnydippedalmonds.com or you can go to the info button on this particular podcast. Go to the link, click the link, fill up your cart with almonds that are skinny dipped in chocolate. They have so many different flavors. Dark chocolate raspberry, dark chocolate espresso. I'm not a coffee person, but they're actually really good. The ones I'm eating right now are the dark chocolate cocoa. The best ones are the peanut butter ones. But I feel like I already told you guys about the peanut butter ones. I just love them so much. If you happen to try them, tag me on Instagram and I'll send you a special gift. Don't forget to use the code RADLOVE15, R-A-D-L-O-V-E 15 for your discount. So now we can go back to our show. I thank you for that. I have two, two questions in, in what you just said. The first one is this idea or this practice of mindfulness and it's def- many definitions or it's many facets. I feel like from, from what I've studied and the way I see people presenting it out in the world is, is a little bit uh, incongruent. Can you, just, can you just for the purposes yeah. of what we're talking about, give us the mindfulness definition and maybe where you think yeah. things have uh, shifted away yeah. from what mindfulness is?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. So there's a lot that I could say there. Okay. So the, <laughs> the first thing that I'm going to say is like what I really care about, which is it doesn't matter what mindfulness means. What matters is what you want. Like, what do you want from life? Like what is your aspiration that brings you, that that drives you in your life? And that, and like, is there some type of capacity or ability that actually has some juice for you so whether it's like feeling less anxiety feeling more joy feeling more like like freedom or flexibility in whatever situation like that that's you know what i mean like whatever that is whether if it's like it might be wanting to feel more comfortable being really intimate with people or expressing love like w- whatever that actually has like motivation for you That's what matters. That matters way more than how you define the word mindfulness, because that's the thing you want to practice. Now, there's a really interesting history of the term mindfulness that, that um, basically um, John Kabat-Zinn created mindfulness-based stress reduction in this very particular moment when, uh, Meditation was going from something that was kind of this existential life type of practice to become it to um, the medical world, was starting to get interested in um, meditation not as a spiritual practice, but as a medical intervention. And so he developed mindfulness based stress reduction in the late 70s, early 80s, as a medical intervention, specifically for, uh, for people with chronic pain. And he's very, and he talks about this. He stripped away everything that he felt like conservatively trained doctors in the late seventies, early eighties might have, anything that might have made them uncomfortable. And so, but then the problem is that's kind of become. Um, John Cabotzin knew that he was presenting just a sliver of uh, of what he had learned in his background um, to these doctors, but then that became sort of like how people started defining mindfulness. And so that's where a lot of the confusion came from.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. Because I feel like there's, there's a lot of different, uh, definitions out there. And I like that you said it is whatever it means to you. Yeah. Um, because I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's about cultivating a sense of presence and a sense of just being where you are. Yeah. And, um, taking taking it all in, um, I kind of want to shift a little bit and talk to you about or ask you about you know this this idea of of being human in in the world that we're in without it creating a, a sense of depression right because yeah. for for me, I know that back when I was first practicing meditation and I would do like a loving kindness meditation, initially it would be very activating for me because I would start to think of all the suffering in the world. And instead yeah. of, you know, creating that sense of love and compassion and expansion and interconnectedness, I started to get anxious and tense and it started yeah. to, you know, make, make me a little bit angry. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I guess I'm like, can you help me No.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that because I think that's really um, one of the hard things about people when when we sort of start looking to meditation practice is it can sound like we're kind of trying to make sense on our own of all of these different teachings and how do we actually apply them. And when, when I apply them in this moment to my mind and my mind does this other thing that I wasn't expecting, and it's like, well, what am I supposed to do now? And it's like, so what I'd say is like, there are these sort of principles that um, this idea of deliberate practice that is um, pretty well studied in psychology, where some of the ideas are that we, we choose a specific skill or capacity that we want to develop. And we pay attention to like really trying to focus on that skill and um, I think one of the most important things is that we, we increase the level of difficulty very slowly so that we're never kind of overwhelmed. And I think that that's something that's really important in meditation practice. Like what you were saying is like the images that started coming up in your mind were bigger than you had the capacity to bring compassion to in that moment. So it's just sort of like, okay, so I'm, I didn't do this on purpose. But it's just my mind brought up something that's bigger than I can practice with. In that moment, um, so the first thing that, that needs to happen is just to recognize what happened. It's not that the practice is broken. It's that what happened was my mind came up with something that's bigger than I know how to practice with right now. So there's two different possibilities. Usually, so what I would say is just we stop. And then maybe take a little bit of a break from that practice. And so maybe come back to what's a practice that I know is more nourishing for me, that I feel a little more stable in. Maybe it's just sort of a gratitude practice or walking meditation or just something that's kind of grounding or just being outside in nature. Yeah. And then, but then I know now I have this kind of understanding of, okay, so that's something that I want to build up toward. I can't think about, war and um, sweatshops and like these sort of like, uh, you know, human trafficking and things like that. I I don't, I can't sit with that right now. It's overwhelming for me, but I know that that's there. And I want to start kind of slowly, like, can I think of something unfair and find compassion? And the other thing that I feel like is really important in that moment is like we're trying to cultivate this openness and the mind pops up something that's like, I'm not open to this. And the, there's, a, there's a, a moment there where you can, that part of you that's like, no, not that. That becomes the, the object that needs compassion. Mm-hmm. The part of me that says no war the part of me that says no human trafficking, that's a part of me that's suffering and in need of compassion. And I don't need to try to convince myself that those things are okay. Like, that, like that's not something I'm likely to try to do. Like that's not part of, that's not something I'm interested in. But instead what I find is that if I bring a lot of compassion to the part of me that's like, I hate this about the world, And just really let that be there and and send a lot of love to that part of me. And in fact, kind of recognize, I'm glad you don't like this about the world. That is, that's compassion there. You want a a safer world. Then it's a lot more possible for me to face those things. And it doesn't, it doesn't numb me. It doesn't make me kind of try to convince myself that they're actually okay. It's that like my reaction to them is okay. And, that, and now I have some real freedom to be present. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's so beautiful. And I, I feel like you just defined having that equanimity with compassion, yeah. right? is really allowing what is there within you to just to be there and exist, exist simultaneously as you have this desire to want the suffering of the world to stop. Yeah. A quick message from our sponsor. If you're looking for a nutrient system that truly embraces and complements the mind-body balance in a holistic, nurturing way, then Wellness Kits from Uveda are your natural answer. They're created with the help of naturopathic and Ayurvedic practitioners committed to the healing tradition's mantra of purity and harmony. These top quality ingredients are hand-picked and refined in a way that preserves utmost quality and potency. Discover a wide range of formulas that deliver essential fatty acids, herbs, probiotic strains, and enzymes to help support your health and wellness needs. Whether you're looking for a natural detox support, a gentle digestive aid, soothing probiotics, or a formula dense in vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants, you can be assured you're getting only the best natural healing remedies for your body. Go to uveda.com, that's Y-O-U-V-E-D-A, Dot com and enter the promo code ROSIE, R-O-S-I-E, for a special discount on your first purchase. My next question, I'm like, my next question, I, I really hope that I can get through this list of questions. Sure. has to do with um, our ability to find uh, a sustainable state of joy or happiness.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I... One of the other reasons why I find we find we search for practices like this, spiritual practices or um, calming practices, is because we want to be in in a state of peace, in a state of health, in a state of more groundedness, more happiness. Um, Yeah. Why is it that we feel like we have to seek happiness and joy out outside of ourselves?
0: Yeah, I think just life does that. Like all life wants to avoid suffering and find wellness or thrive in whatever way, right? Like every, like every single-celled organism wants that, to move away from what might cause pain and to move toward what feels good or what, what causes wellness. And I think there's like a, that impulse is just the impulse of life in us. And that's beautiful. And like, we need to like kind of recognize that that in some ways is the definition of compassion, that energy that just doesn't want to suffer, that wants to be well. I think one of the things is that we are um, in Buddhist psychology, we say that um, all things are this kind of awakened, compassionate nature that are, but then they are conditioned by ignorance. Mm -hmm. and the way that I think the way that I think about that is like we all just want to be happy but in most of the time we don't know how to do that like we wish we did right in whatever situation the thing is though every situation in life is a new situation that you've never actually been in before (laughs) it's like this new moment that you've never faced and so we don't know even if we've in the past, we've learned a lot. We don't know really how to find happiness in this moment. So for me, ultimately, the, what you're talking about, it comes down to being able to see the beauty in that predicament. Mm-hmm. Being able to see like you are a living being, just like every living being. You, you don't want to suffer. You want to be happy and you don't know how to do that. And if you can see that that's just beautiful, like if that inspires love and compassion in you, then you can see that in every moment and even in the things that seem self-destructive. But that, that idea of like, so why do we look for happiness outside of ourselves? It's like we're just looking. I mean, wh- one thing that happens is that the human mind, its job is to try to come up with an image of what would be better than this. Right. So maybe we're yeah. enjoying this conversation, but then the mind is just like, well, you know, it'd be nicer than this. It's like, if I was able to talk with this person, but like also getting a massage or like, if I was able like, to get like, you know what I mean? Like if I was like talking talk to this person and I had like a really, you know, like a, a great cup of coffee or like wh- whatever it is, it's like, you know, it would be even nicer. And then as soon as that shows up, your mind comes up to, you know, it would be even nicer than this. And so I, I think what, one of the things that happens there is like, we, um, we mistake this sort of friendly advice that our mind is giving us for like our marching orders. Oh yeah. It's so good. And it's like, okay, so yeah. So like, I have this thought of like, oh, I'm really enjoying this. And a great cup of coffee would be, would be even better. And I don't have one and I'm not going to get one. And so that that thought, it doesn't need to be like, okay, well, happiness is impossible until you have that. It's just like a suggestion. And you can say, okay, thanks, but I, I'm just, I want to keep doing this now. Ah,
1: oh, that's so prolific. <laughs> uh, yeah. It seems to be such a, you know the 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 root of why we get in this spin sometimes of our we get in our own way because we think that this is better or we we have this uh, repetitive cycle or thought in our in our mind that's our default state that yeah. that's just the thoughts that we're always going to go to oh this will be better if this was happening it's like oh I'm happy now but I would be even happier if yeah you know. <gasps> How do we stop from doing that?
0: Yeah, no, your, your, your mind's job is to do that. And it's not going to stop. And so the thing is, it's just like recognizing <laughs> like your mind's a good friend. It's like your mind is a good friend who's giving you completely unsolicited advice. Oh, okay. That's And it, sometimes, and, and like it, doing it because they love you. So and that you have this friend who loves to tell you what you should do. And they're doing it because they love you and they just want you to be happy. And sometimes they're right and sometimes they're completely wrong. But it's, it's their way of expressing love. Your mind's way of expressing love is to say like, oh, this chair is really fucking uncomfortable. And it's just like, okay, so you want me to be comfortable, right? Yeah, I wish you were more comfortable. Thank you. <laughs> I, this is the chair we've got for right now. It's like yeah, okay. I wish, I really wish you were more comfortable. So we learn how to listen for that. Right. And if you can translate it, you don't need it to go away.
1: Right. Oh, that's so good. It's just a higher level of understanding.
0: Yeah.
1: Or not even a higher level. It's just being able to discern what the messages you're getting from that your, your bestie.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So, I can seriously sit here and just ask you questions. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, these are the questions that I've prepared. So one of the other things that I wanted to ask you about is yeah. just coming to um, modern day, our life as, as we see it all around us. Um, there is, I, I'm a believer that there's a lot of love and there's a lot of good work and incredible proponents for social justice on the world like yourself that are out there doing really incredible things and are um, raising the level of awareness to things in the world that are happening that are not just. Um, we are also in a world where we are seeing a lot of people with, with a lot of anger and a lot of hate and I feel like um, I'm like apropos, you can hear the sirens in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so exactly that like the chaos that is existing outside of, of of us. Yeah. How I know a lot of my friends they they get really into their their beliefs and what they think is the right thing and they sort of spurn the opposite side and separate themselves from the greater whole thinking that everything would be better if everybody just believed what we believed.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And, and the way that I see it, I don't fully agree with that. Of course, there's things that I agree that I don't agree with yeah. when it comes to uh, injustice or people, certain, you know, cultures or certain races getting treated a certain way. Of course, I, I totally don't agree with that. But I also feel that it's more about opening up a conversation and being more aware of the whole as opposed to creating a villain of, of an opposite. Side of of what you believe, yeah. so I guess the question is, um, being as this is obviously something that you speak to as well, and it's work that you do, what what sort of advice can you give us to be able to deal with what is happening in the United States right now, and and what is our role in this? If if there's people out there listening that think that they don't matter, their voice doesn't matter,
0: yeah. 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 So it's like this way of, we don't, so, so you're, you're describing like a lot of people, we just kind of fall into our little ideological camp and we just, and like, we have this sort of like righteousness that, um, that other people don't know what they're talking about and people just need to believe like, like we do. Um, And it's sort of, And then there's like this idea of like, well, does that is that helping? Is that I mean, like, what else could I do Mm -hmm. other than just be adamant about my belief system? I mean, one thing that for me, um, there's an idea that that I talk about a little bit in, in the book of toxic righteousness, and it's this idea that it's a symptom. So the, the main thing is, like, I don't want to try to tell anybody. Like, I, I don't think it's all that helpful for people to try to um, invalidate their own belief system, or, or even to try to like I don't think it's all that helpful for you to try to sort of um, doubt yourself, or, or like have this kind of intense skepticism of what do I even know. The, the thing that I feel like is, is more helpful. Is recognizing that that type of the type of righteousness that sort of um, objectifies or demonizes other people—that's a symptom of this underlying. Um, when I look at the pain, like when you when you're, if we're talking about like racism and mm-hmm. social oppression in the United States right now, we're talking about just hate in the United States right now. When I look at that. If I am overwhelmed, right, if I just like if it if it hurts me so bad to face it that like I can't deal, then either I'm gonna fall into despair or I'm gonna grab on as hard as I possibly can to a belief system and just try to hang on to that so that I don't fall into despair, but it's sort of like my last dish effort right before despair mm. the the path forward for us, I believe, is being able to face the suffering that we wish weren't there in a way that we can have compassion for ourselves and for that that intense no that comes up for us, that we can bring compassion and love to that intense kind of... Um, Yearning for social justice. And that as we develop greater compassion, we develop an ability to face that pain. There's a James Baldwin quote that I really love. It's like, um, I'm going to paraphrase it's um, not everything that we face can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. And so it's like we need to be able to face this hatred and look at it. And if we, if when we look at it, the, the thing is like, I, I, I don't want people to look at this hatred and be like, it's great, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we want to be able to face it and have this, like, that's not the world I want to live in and like have this clarity, but not be overwhelmed with that, but with the weight and the pain of having to look at it so that we're, you know, incapacitated. Mm -hmm. We want to be able to look at it and have enough compassion in ourselves that we can have this, like, this is, we're capable of better than this. Um, And to have that drive to do something instead of this incapacitated reaction.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Uh, Tim, I'm like, I, I want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> we can sit here and talk about this all day. I think it's uh, such an important topic. And as I said, your, your book speaks to all of these topics at length. And I'm, I'm really grateful that this is the type of work that you're doing out in the world. And I, I feel like it really is impacting a lot of people and a lot of lives. And I'm I'm hoping that uh, for our listeners, they're gathering some new tools that they can put in their toolbox to help them uh, become more awake into the beauty of their lives. So thank you for that. Um, So I want to ask you one final question. Yeah. Before we finish, and it's pertaining to this particular podcast and why I created the podcast. Yeah. It was born from this idea that we are all radically loved by God, source, higher power, whatever it is, whatever it is, your belief system that the universe works for us and not against us. Yeah. And it's this idea that we're all innately radically loved. And so my final question to you is, how do you feel radically loved?
0: That's a really beautiful question. I think that uh, when I can slow down and I can basically kind of feel open, like non-defensive, if I can get in touch with the parts in me that are in need of love, and just feel like open to receiving Then I have this experience and I don't know how to interpret it or, or whatever it is, but I have this experience that there's love that's there and that there's as much as, as I need in any moment and the issue is really opening to it. Mm thank you
1: thank you so much tim for the people that are listening to us or watching this video where can they go for more information or how can they connect with you
0: yeah so you can find me tim desmond you can find me on social media uh timdesmond.net is a website um and yeah i have a couple books out that people can find anywhere that books are sold
1: so that's awesome thank you Uh, those links will be on the show notes if you're listening to this on your phone go to the info button and all of the links tim just mentioned including where to buy his book will be on there Um, if you're watching this on youtube you can go to the uh, info section whatever the little thing and and there will be links on there uh, to everything that we just talked about So that is it. Thank you so much, Tim, for being on the show. I learned so much and I'm really grateful that you came onto the show and joined our community. Thank you so much. We hope that you come back and join us again. Thank you.